Hello and welcome to another edition of Bulls on Parade, brought to you by WSOU Sports, our coverage of the New York Red Bulls, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Joey, alongside with Brian, here today, talking about the Red Bulls and the most recent game, as recording last night, as it's coming out two days ago, they won versus the league winners, Cincinnati, the Supporter Shield winners, Brian what are your thoughts coming out of that game? <laughs> um, well, I, I didn't get the uh, the opportunity to uh, to watch it live, but just kind of going through the highlights here. I, I heard about it a, a little bit. I was here at the studio of uh, WSU a little bit earlier today, like 2 o'clock, just, I'm like, just hanging out with one of our DJs. And I heard that it was a, a, a pretty crazy game that the, um, uh, the Red Bulls had a, a really good first half, and then they kind of almost lost it. Um, uh, towards the um, uh, the second half there, but I mean, with your playoff hope, uh, pl- pl- playoff hopes on the line, this is a game that I think you mentioned it uh, yesterday or the, the day before that like these next two y- two games obviously are like must win games, and to pull off a a two one win over not only one of the best teams in the league this year, but a team in FC FC Cincinnati that has been one of the better teams in the MLS. Really, over the past uh, couple of years, they've been just. Uh, I'm, I'm maybe I don't, I don't know much. Have they not been? Who uh, Cincinnati? Yeah. No, uh, Cincinnati came in last their first no. two seasons, and then last no. season they did all right, no. and now this season they're the, they're the top. Uh, I'm 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 selling there a little bit, but <laughs> that's okay. But anyway, forget that one point that I said. But like one of the, one of the better teams in the league. In like you're going into this matchup, and if you're a Red Bulls fan, I, you would be a little bit concerned, right? Because you have to, okay, you want to make the playoffs, and now you got to play one of the best teams in the league. And you score two goals in the first uh, 17 minutes, and you almost could have had a third goal in the, um, uh, in, in the seventh minute there. The name is escaping me. Oh, my gosh. Well, who Harper? Was, yes, I think it was, it was Harper who, um, uh, who got a shot right by the, um, uh, right by the net, had to kind of like take a touch to settle it, and then just tried to squeeze it right by the uh, goalie on that right side and ended up, I'm uh, hitting it too far outside the crossbar, outside the net. But like that close, you have a really great opportunity to score within the first 10 minutes of the game, and then yeah, you score a- another goal five minutes after that attempt, and then after that another five minutes, and you have a two nothing lead, and you take that into a into halftime, and then obviously Cincinnati starts to mount a, a little bit of a comeback um, in the second half. Yeah, so going into this game, um, previous episodes of Bulls on Parade, we were talking about how if you're scrapping any to get points together out of this Cincinnati team, you're going to be happy about it. But this was all before they secured the title for Supporter Shield, which we did not know was going to happen. And what happened was that they, they sat a lot of guys. They rested a lot of crucial guys. Luciano Acosta didn't start. Brandon Vasquez didn't start. Alvaro Barrial didn't start. These are all crucial guys to this Cincinnati squad, especially Luciano Acosta and Brandon Vasquez. And they were kind of raining on their parade. That's what they were saying all during the broadcast was that this was Cincinnati's celebration. It was their first home game since winning the Supporters' Shield, and they were going to be going nuts after the game. They still were, but the Red Bulls were trying to rain on their parade just a bit so they couldn't get another victory to uh, to go any further than, than what they went to. And the Red Bulls did a great job, and unsurprisingly, it was uh, Frankie Amaya who stepped up, and Elias Manuel gets his name on the score sheet. He's been struggling a little bit. That's his third goal of the season only in his 26 games played, and um, he's really been playing up top for the Bulls a lot. And so 
you were expecting him to maybe have a couple more goals, but you know what? He scored when he needed to. When you need, it's the last three games of the season, and you need the points. They scored. He scored. Elias Manuel, and that's what you needed from him. An interesting uh, lineup choice, maybe from Troy Sen. Maybe he's been listening to Bulls on Parade. Um, not many, not many forwards out there. Uh, so he did have Tom Barrow in the starting lineup, but he had Lukinas playing more uh, up top and, and less of a midfielder position. Lukinas. Very dangerous off of the ball. I mean, he's very dangerous on the ball as well, but he does a lot of his work off of the ball. Very underappreciated underappreciated part of his game and something that a lot of other players should be looking at, especially young players learning the game. It's all your play off the ball is so important. That's how you're going to get into the open spaces. That's how you're going to draw defenders. Even if you're not a part of a play, you can draw defenders away from where the ball is and open up other lanes for your teammates. And that is something Lukinas does so well. And so I was... Happy to see him playing a, a slightly different role in that game. But let's go back to um, Chicago's game. Now, that game wasn't—we're we're, we're all happy right now, Red Bull with that win against Cincinnati, but you lost the game in a team that now, because they beat Miami, is pretty far ahead of you in the standings. They're still only three points ahead of you in the standings, but if you had those three points, that would be you in eighth place, and they would be in 12th, not the other way around. And so what happened in this Chicago game um, was that they just could not um, keep up, I guess. It, it, it was a rough. You had the red card in the 62nd minute um, from the Dom, and then they get the call. The call was a little rough. You might want to use people will argue but about the call, but overall, the game, it was anybody's game, I think. And Chicago didn't have their best performance, I don't think, but neither did the Red Bulls. And, uh, Brian, do you have any thoughts on that Chicago Red Bull game? Well, I think, I mean, because obviously we just talked about Cincinnati, and now we're um, looking back to the uh, the 30th against Chicago. I mean, the most glaring difference is, I mean, you could say, I'm gonna, it's a blanket term of saying, oh, the offense, I'm not, didn't, didn't show up in this game. Well, yeah, they scored no goals. But, I mean, even kind of looking at just the stat sheet, I want to bring this up against Cincinnati. Against Cincinnati, Cincinnati had the ball, the, pres- the possession clock favored them 68% of the match. New York Red Bulls had it for only 32%, yet they outshot. They had more shots. They had more shots on goal. They had um, uh, they had more corners, right? They had much less total passes because, of, obviously, they didn't have the ball as much. But even with without the ball in, in their possession for a lot of this game, they got so many uh, attacking opportunities, so many chances to score their offense like you said on the ball off the ball was on fire the entire game and then you look uh, a couple of days earlier against Chicago and I mean that wasn't the case at all Chicago has uh, had more possession 55.8 to Red Bulls 44.2 and still the Red Bulls had 18 shots only three of them were on goal they got they were they had the ball a lot their offense was getting those shots up again but I mean when you have, when you take 18 shots towards a goal, and uh, I'm trying to do a percent with that, one sixth of your shots are are going towards the net. It's going to be really really tough to um uh, to get a, a quality look. And again, they didn't score a goal, so none of them were successful. But this th- this game made I think the um uh, the Cincinnati game. It's going to make the um uh, the Toronto game and the Nashville game must win games because like you said it, it, we wouldn't be having this kind of conversation if they had one against Chicago if they were a couple spots higher if they had um, a, a playoff spot more firmly in reach but because they um uh, they lost and they got shut out and it was um, uh, not their best performance now there's so much pressure on them for these last two games 
Yeah, absolutely. Pressure is the word. But can these can this pressure turn into diamonds for the Red Bulls? We will have to see. Um, we're gonna, it's going to be a tough couple games, you know. It's not going to be handed to you in any sort of sense because the Red Bulls all season, even though they're playing Toronto, um, the second worst team in the entire league, statistically, not even off my own bias. Um, it's going to be it's going still going to be a difficult matchup because. Toronto doesn't want to be embarrassed. They have some veterans on that team, some Italian legends, Federico Bernadeschi, Lorenzo Insigne, to be two of them, uh, that don't that don't want to get out, go out there with their heads down and and to be washed off the pitch. And so it's going to be a huge game. And then you have Nashville, who they're they're fighting for home field advantage. They're, they might be they're they're going to make the playoffs, Nashville, but they're going to be fighting for that home field advantage. And and you know whether or not they want to be in that playoff position even, because they might have to go into the play-in, which doesn't look too likely for them, but you never know. So these games, both teams are going to be playing through stuff, even though Toronto's out of it. I think they're really the only statistically team that are out of it in yeah. the East. Yeah, I think I think they're the only one that are uh, statistically eliminated, but you know. Which is crazy, yeah. because there's 14 teams and there's only eight playoff spots. <laughs> there's nine if you consider the play-in, and... There's fourteen. There's there's so many teams in this race for the oh, bottom yeah. spots. Eight through fourteen are all neck in neck. It's ridiculous. It, it, it's so funny because yeah, you say the um, uh, so you mentioned it. The um, uh, the eight seed uh, NYCFC. They have thirty eight points on the year, separating number the eighth seed from the fourteenth seed is five points. Yeah. So you have all those teams in five points, and then in between fourteen and fifteen, which is Charlotte and Toronto. 11 points, which is a huge difference. I mean, it, it, it's just crazy to see, I mean, how how tight this um, uh, this playoff race is to get into that play-in, and then I guess how out of it Toronto has been. But, you know, I mean, we see this in the um, uh, in the MLB a lot, obviously. Here at uh, WSU, a bunch of Mets fans. Um, uh, so we hear a lot. A bunch of Mets fans, a bunch of Yankees fans, some Phillies guys. So we hear about baseball a lot, about these teams playing spoiler late in September or in, or in early or late in September trying to uh, ruin these teams' playoff um, uh, playoff uh, hopes. And, I mean, I'm sure Toronto at this point, like you said, they don't really have anything left to play for, but, you know, uh, who, I mean, I guess, you know, they might embrace it a little bit, trying to play spoiler, trying to take one of these teams out of the playoffs, and maybe it is the Red Bulls if they um, uh, if they do get this win coming up. That's right. And something to note, Charlotte and Cincinnati, they are a bit behind in points, but they both have a game in hand. Mm-hmm. And they're actually both playing each other. Charlotte's last and Miami's last two games are both against each other within four days. Wow. Which is absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. But Charlotte's sitting at 36 points right now. Only one point behind the Red Bulls at 37, along with uh, DC and NYCFC. And so everyone's still kind of the master of their own destiny so far. A little bit less with Miami, a little bit less with Charlotte, a little bit less with the Red Bulls. You're going to have to be going in to some of these games thinking or hoping that teams are dropping points. A lot of these teams are playing each other too, which is just making it so complicated. I mean... Montreal is playing two teams out west. So, I mean, you're playing Columbus, who's all the way at fourth, and then a team out west. So you're not too worried about them. They could lose points and it not affect you that bad. NYCFC, they're playing DC United and Chicago. You're not rooting for anybody in those games. Like, like maybe you'll root for Chicago, hope that they like launch themselves up a bit more, or not. I mean, like you're you're kind of hoping that those teams end up in draws and that you're winning, and that that's the the best situation for you. You're hoping for these teams tying. And then D.C. United, of course, aforementioned, playing NYCFC. 
Um, that's their last game. Uh, they, that's that's it for them. It looks like, or am I am I going crazy? <laughs> uh, yeah, so they've played thirty three games out of thirty four. So DC United, um, oh, they only have that one game left in them, and that's it. So almost out. Of, it's against it's against NYCFC. So depending on the way the other games work out, they could still swing their way up. But it's not looking too hot right now for DC United. So this is all just to say everyone's still kind of in it. But yeah. we, it, but it's not even like we can't even be setting up the situations yet of like if this team wins but this team loses but the rebels win we're not even there yet and we're only and we're two games we're two out, games out yeah. which is so ridiculous <laughs> this is one of the tightest playoff races it's been for the MLS ever and that's really cool because it's wild to see this many teams so tight at the bottom teams getting hot at random times I mean the rebels when they beat DC United uh, this is now. Three games ago, they won five to three. They haven't scored n- near five goals at all all season. They, I think, they did score four against that four zero win against Atlanta. Uh, but besides that, everything's been a one goal, two goal game. They haven't even scored three goals. So they had one game, or they did against Miami. Sorry, earlier on in the season. But these are like it's rare instances that the Red Bulls are scoring a lot of goals, and. A game against DC United that was huge. Christian Benteke had a hat trick, and still couldn't slow down the Red Bulls. That was an awesome game to be watching. Omir Fernandez with two. Harper even had one. And Nealis got in on the action, and Tolkien sealed the deal in the 93rd minute. It was really fun watching that game. But watching last night's game was a little bit nerve wracking. <laughs> um, oh yeah, the the Cincinnati I game. I mean. Uh, once once Cincinnati got the red card at the end, you're like, all right, let's like breathe a little bit. I think we we might be okay, <laughs> but uh, but the rebels they 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 don't like they don't like uh, letting you be safe because because that was getting a little nervy at the end there. But you have to shout out um, Frankie Amaya and because um, um, he's just been playing so he's been stepping up into that role, scoring goals where he's not expected to be goal scorer. Also, his his uh, return to Cincinnati. There's a transfer that Amaya went to. The Rebels from Cincinnati in the deal that uh, some people would say um, that the Rebels got fleeced on. Mm. Uh, that that's the uh, the, the that's trade. what they're saying. Um, if if you want to pull that up, I would appreciate that. The, sure. the, the Frankie Amaya transfer from Cincinnati. I forget the exact details, but 23 games played this season and five goals and five assists, where he's not really supposed to be the goal scorer. Huge for uh, Amaya, and I'm a big big fan of him, as I mentioned before, but. Before we move on from that, I do want to talk about... Actually, b- before you say that, I do have this. Yes, it's yes. from the MLS uh, 2021. This is, this, is from the ML- this is the MLS website. Uh, the New York Red Bulls have acquired midfielder Frankie Amaya from FC Cincinnati in a trade in exchange for $950,000 general allocation money. The clubs announced Tuesday. Uh, Red Bulls could send a further $125,000 in allocation money should performance-based incentives be reached. So that was, I guess, the official trade. Yeah, and um, for a player like Amaya in the MLS, that that's not like an insane— I mean, that's a pretty large amount of money. Yeah. And they got him in 2021 where he was two years younger, so I th- he was 21 years old at that point, I believe. Mm. And he he was supposed to be like the next the next thing up. And that's, oh yeah, and that's why number were... one overall pick in the uh, 2019. I'm uh, it says super draft here, so he was this highly touted prospect. Yeah, he was. And previous to the season, he was kind of Rebels fans would tell you he wasn't living up to expectations. I think this year is the year that you are happy with Frankie Amaya's performance. 
com- especially comparatively to how the rest of the squad is doing. Definitely. I mean, and also your top two goal scorers are Omir Fernandez and Frankie Amaya, which is kind of ridiculous. Six goals for Omir Fernandez and five for Amaya. Both guys who are young guys. Um, Omir Fernandez, the Brooklyn boy, uh, had an amazing season. I, I just love getting excited about these younger guys. Um, we're not even talking about my boy Daniel Edelman yet. And um, I know it's just exciting to see, especially, you know, Lewis Morgan hurt at the beginning. Like, he's been out all season. He's your goal scorer. He's been your goal scorer for as long as possible when he's been on this team. And you lose him, and then Van Zier's out for a while this season with suspension slash injuries. He's still not able – he's still not available for call – and they really haven't given much information about when he's going to return, if he's going to return for these last two games. But before we preview what's coming up one last time, I want to talk about the 15-year-old prospect, Julian Hall, yeah. who's been linked to clubs like Chelsea, Manchester United, and City, Real Madrid, Bayern. This is ridiculous. Oh yeah, you talked about um uh, the Red Bulls having a, a bunch of young guys. I, th- I think this is um uh, this, this is a, a, a little bit something different. I think um uh, one of our um uh, one of, one of our, our our friends, uh, Bobby Steiner, who was at um uh, the, one of the Red Bulls games uh, recently. I think it was when Hall made his debut. Yes, and he just made his debut. yeah, and uh, when he said when he said fifteen years old, I was like, it, it, it kind of threw my my mind for a loop. And then he told me. That I don't even think Hall was like the youngest player to make. He's their, actually the, uh, he's the, the MLS second debut. youngest player. I think to, it wasn't the other one like fourteen or something. It was Freddie Adu when he was fourteen years old. Oh my gosh! How, how does Dude. That, does everybody remember <laughs> Freddie Adu? Because he was supposed to be the next big thing. He was supposed to be huge, and he, I mean he made his debut at fourteen. That's a lot of you know when you put that much expectations on a kid like that, it's hard to have them perform up to it. And Freddie Adu. Some would call him a bust. Um, had a good career in the MLS, and he did play a little bit around in different leagues. But I think he was a great player. And I mean, yeah, he had he had some struggles. <laughs> but hopefully, I mean, now that was a long time ago. The the way teams treat young guys, young players, is definitely different from what it was then. And so I think you're not going to see a similar treatment where they're putting the weight of the world on. Julian Hall's shoulders. Yeah. I mean, Freddie Adu was supposed to launch soccer in the United States to, like, the next level. That's what they were talking about when he was making his debut. Mm-hmm. And now, Julian Hall, of course, he's seen, he's uh, he's been scouted. They're saying he's going to be a great talent, but that weight isn't similar, similar as similar on him as it was with Freddie Adu. I mean, not to not that we're comparing the, the two. Um, it's just interesting to see that he's the second youngest player ever, and that I don't think that record's ever going to be broken. Yeah, four. I, I think I, I forget. I forget the days. I think Bob told me it was like three hundred something days. Like it, he was almost fifteen, I think, but he was still um, uh, technically fourteen when he made his debut. I mean, to put that amount of pressure, like yeah, you said, uh, pretty much saving. American soccer, like reshaping how um, uh, the world is going to look at American soccer when you're 14. You're 14, I think maybe you're what, a freshman in high school, or maybe you're like 14. Yeah, you're you're freshman. Freshman year in high school. school, maybe like old for eighth grade or something. Which is, I mean, that is that is an insane amount of pressure to um uh, to put on someone. Like, 
when you first mentioned that, it kind of brought me back to him. I'm, I'm more of a I'm, I'm more of a basketball kind of brought me back to LeBron James, how he was like the the chosen one and everything. But it's it's much different when you're being touted as this like generational prospect versus you are going to save an entire sport <laughs> for a country of 300 million people. Like that that is, I think, the most pressure that uh, a single like uh, 14-year-old um, uh, like someone in sports that's the most pressure I think someone can have and they had it before they were um uh, when they were a freshman in high school which is which is it's ridiculous but you know uh, I I'm, I'm glad that we're not seeing the same thing with um, uh, the second youngest player in um, uh, in the MLS yeah and and so he he did he did spend some time all over the place he ended up actually playing in 15 different countries you know sorry teams wow in um, I believe nine separate countries. That's what it is, and I mean, yeah, it, it's just when you put that much. He did play for the United States and in, in the Concacaf Gold Cup, and he, he uh, played for them in all different kinds of competitions. Um, but still, absolutely wild. And um, yeah, Julian Hall linked to these teams. I mean, I've seen, I saw multiple stories about it. I don't know how much merit all of these have. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this one's from SB Nation, where they're talking about links to Chelsea. I love SB Nation. Yeah, so so there's a lot a lot of big um, reporting like agencies here or big big sites reporting on this, and so you have to believe there's some sort of merit to it. Mm-hmm. But he j- he did just sign a contract that will go until 2026 with the Red Bulls. Now, of course, he can uh, he can be bought via transfer from any of these teams, which would be a nice payday for the Red Bulls if any of that does happen. But I think that's still some time away. Because even if he does go overseas, it might be better. This is this is my personal thing. the The United States Academy program, as long as you make it out of when it's like in, everyone says it's pay to win, the United States Youth Academy system, which it is for a lot of it. If you are if you are trying to make it in the United States as a soccer player, unfortunately, a lot of it is pay to play. Um, if you get out of that system to a certain point, once you get into that MLS Next Pro or even that next level, once you start playing more with uh, academy tied teams that are a little bit less pay to play um and they start scouting via talent then that's where things get a lot more competitive and i think if you're trying to produce a young player and you think that he's going to get a lot of playing time with the red bulls keep him here until he is that good yeah i mean that's what they did with tyler adams tyler adams was also he i think he's the second youngest now player to make his debut for the red bulls and he's, I, I mean, he's had troubles with injuries on and off. He's at Leeds, and now I think he's a, he's now at Burnmouth. But he's playing in the Premier League. Yeah. And he's a he's a New York Red Bulls prospect. And so I think the New York Red Bulls do have a have a history of creating these players, which is why all of these teams have their eyes on them. But all that aside, we're gonna be wrapping this up with one last thing. Let's look at how do we how do we think these games are gonna go Ooh, okay. at the end. Um, these last two games, you're playing Toronto and you're playing Nashville. Two teams, Nashville, nothing, I mean, sorry, Toronto, nothing really to play for. Toronto, they do have something to play for, especially if things shape up a little bit differently on the uh, on that middle end of the table there. They are playing Atlanta for that seventh spot, which doesn't, in only these very specific situations, it would get them um, any more room in the uh, in the standings and, and home field advantage and the such and the like, but we'll see. Brian, what are we what are we thinking about this Toronto and Nashville game? Oh man, I mean, let's let, we'll start off obviously with the Toronto game, and yeah, I I, I mean, if I, unless I'm reading the schedule completely wrong, I believe they're playing it 
in uh, uh, they're playing it at home. They don't have to travel to Toronto. I yes, think. it is. It is uh, Saturday. Um, which yes. It, by the time this is released tomorrow. Oh yeah. Um, at Red Bull Arena. So if if you're going off of that, the good news if you're the Red Bulls is, I mean, well, the good news is you're playing the only uh, statistically eliminated team in the Eastern Conference who are the only team in the Eastern Conference who do not have a win on the road. They are 0, <laughs> 11, and 4 on wow. the road. So statistically, it, it's looking pretty good for you. It's looking like, okay, this, this is a surefire win. But, you know, I, I look, look, this late in the season with how crazy their season has been, uh, I, I don't think under any circumstances you can um, uh, kind of rule a team out and um, uh, not play your absolute hardest. I think you have to treat this game and the Nashville game like you would the, the Cincinnati game or the Chicago game. I think you have to go into the saying playoff implica- implications are on the line. Regardless of how bad Toronto is, you need to get uh, you need to win this game, get as many points as you can because we talked about earlier how crowded the um, uh, the uh, the playoff bracket is looking, how many teams are on the cusp of being eliminated even though they're neck and neck with all these teams. We talked about 8 through 14, how many points, 5 points separate the 18 from the 14 team. So you have to go out and play this game Again, you have to approach it the same exact way you did in Cincinnati. Maybe you don't have possession the entire time. It was like that with Cincinnati. It was like that with Chicago. But when you get the ball, you know, keep the same aggressiveness that you've had these past two games. Get a lot of shots, obviously. Do it more. You know, look at how you did it against Cincinnati, not Chicago. When you, got, you know, Chicago had 18 shots, only three of them on net. I think you have to keep up the aggressiveness because, again, Toronto has nothing to play for. You have everything, if you're the Red Bulls, you have everything to play for and everything to lose in these next two games. I think you have to approach this like they are the most important games of the season because at this point, they are. Now, going on to predictions, I I do think that if they play like that, they should kind of handle Toronto pretty easy. Like I said, haven't won a single game on the road this entire season that has been going on for months now, so I'm, I'm, I'm not too worried about Toronto getting that first win now, but you know, it's October, anything can happen, so I'm a, I, I wouldn't count them out. And then Nashville is a lot tougher for me. Nashville, 12-9-9 and uh, on the season, it looks like. I think they already have that I'm a playoff spot clinched uh, in the number seven seed. So this is a team that is is really, really good, and that's tough to have for your, your absolute last game as a team <laughs> that already has a playoff spot and, and maybe because they already have a playoff spot, they're not going to play some of their guys too hard. Maybe not play them on uh, the full 90 minutes. Maybe take them off for a little bit and maybe in those points. You can attack. I think at, at minimum, the uh, the Red Bulls get one win in this two-game stretch, and that is against Toronto. But I think, uh, look, if you just took down uh, Cincinnati I th- at Cincinnati, I think there's a pretty good chance that I'm, uh, you could do the same thing to Nashville and maybe get into the playoffs. Especially, that's a huge confidence boost. And one weird thing about the schedule, though, is that they're playing on the 7th, mm-hmm. and then their next game isn't until the 21st. Oh, yeah, two weeks off. Two weeks off. So there is somewhat of an international break. There's some international friendlies going on mm. um, the next week. But it, it you're not going to lose. Not many of your guys are going to be playing in that. I think Canada's playing, which I don't think you lose anybody. Um, but a lot of the North American teams aren't playing. The CONCACAF teams aren't playing, which is where a lot of the United States, I mean, a lot of the Rebels players um, are, or like, that's where they're playing. Yeah. But 
it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Interesting to see because um, you're gonna be like it's, you're gonna have that momentum. You just beat Cincinnati. Like you're gonna try and win this Toronto game at home, and it's like boom, you have two weeks off. Yeah, and then for potentially the biggest game of the season, and. I know there's also this is a kind of where it's built in where if you have any if you have any canceled games or if you have any like and if you're in some of those further competitions to get rescheduled to this time the last two weeks of the season which is empty for the Red Bulls because they didn't they didn't make it far enough any other competition for their game to be any other games to be rescheduled so it's I think it it could go either way if it's going to play in their favor or not not a hundred percent sure but. With that being said, we're going to wrap up this edition of Bulls on Parade. We will be back in two weeks with more things, New York Red Bulls. And by this time, by next time, we'll know if they have a chance in the playoff position. You want to win this game against Toronto because, I mean, hey, if you win, you have an easier chance of getting in the playoffs. But you're not 100% out if you lose, but then your, your destiny is no longer in your hands. So we will see. For Joey Nardone and Brian Henderson, thank you for tuning in and have a great week.